Hello and welcome to episode nine of Football Revisited podcast. We have Nathan Burke and Luke Butler today. Unfortunately, Rob Owen has failed a late fitness test. However, it's lovely to have Nathan Burke back in the ranks. How are you, Nathan? Great to be back. It's like I've never been away. It's like Big Sam all over Yeah. It was all the the call was going to come, wasn't it? I mean, teams in trouble. They call Nathan Burke. That's what happens. Did you jet off Dubai to the training centre anywhere, or did you just have a quiet one? Uh, quiet one, you know, just want to spend time with the family. Ah, oh, lovely. And Luke, I tell you after your uh, operation a few weeks ago. Ah, brilliant, you know, it's uh, nice to be back in the training paddock, you know, get uh, get the boots back on, start going. But uh, yeah, up went well, everything's going well. Merry Christmas all listeners. You are now, Luke, the only one with a 100% record, I think. The genie one album of the team. Hey, you calling me, I'll be there. Mr. Reliable, 100%. Unbelievable. Well, today we're going to look at the, well, we've got two game weeks in theory to talk about this week um, due to the midweek games. Uh, and then we'll have a look at our draft topic, followed lastly by our, well, I don't know what we're calling it, the surprise question. Are we going to give me that yet? Sounds good to me. Surprise question. Surprise question. The branding, we'll work on it. We'll workshop it. <laughs> but we will start at Old Trafford, Marcelo Bielsa, one of the top coaches in world football, according to everyone else, uh, took quite the defeat this weekend. Luke Butts, if I, t- if I was to tell you that the last three goals scored, last three lead goals scored at Old Trafford, have all come in three different decades. Four. 2004, 2010, 2020. Can you name the scorer in 2004? I'd assume it's Mark Viduka. No. Not, not quite. There is a link between Man United and Leeds. Burke. Alan, oh, Alan Smith, yeah. yeah Alan Smith is correct, followed by Jimmy Beckford in the FA Cup third round in 2010. And then obviously Liam Cooper. But, Burke, I'll start with you. Man United really good, Leeds really bad, bit of both. Uh, yeah, I'd go a bit both. Man U, um, I don't think they've filled anyone with confidence this season so far. But you look where they are on the table and uh, Premier League-wise, I don't think you can take much away from them. Um, no, it was a good good performance from them. I didn't see them doing that. But then Leeds were the victims. Um, what's the phrase? Victim of their own downfall. And uh, yeah, it, it, I think it was on them. Man U... We're good, but yeah, I think Leeds handed them the game. Uh, do you do you feel like Man United can springboard off this, or do you think it's just an isolation, just a big win for them in isolation? I think over the last two, three years, I think we've said that numerous times that oh, this could be the result springboards them. So I'm going to say no, just because history's taught us that they don't do that. They'll maybe have another two or three, and then another bad loss, and people will be all out the door. Um, so no, no for me. That's where you stand, tonight. Uh, well, yeah, I kind of agree. Let's be honest, Leeds played right into their hands. Um, if, you know, you could say that the Premier League is a match-up league at times. And if you asked Manu the type of team we want to play against each week, you would ask for somebody like Leeds because they just go all over the tack. And Manu are probably one of the best teams in the league on the break. So I, I wasn't shocked. I was shocked it was six, to be honest, but I thought they might win by a few. I thought it could be like a 4 3 or five or something like that, just because the amount of goals in both teams. Um, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too um, hyped if I was a Man U fan because you know let's not forget they have lost a few games this season, but they lost the home six two. So um, they're a weird team. And I, I don't know where to put my my finger on them to be honest because they can score a bang full of goals, but then some weeks they just look like I had no idea how to play football. So they, they just need to learn how to be consistent because at the end of the day that's how you win league titles is is being consistent. So once they do that. Then maybe I'll say a bit more about. I don't think that's they got the manager to teach him how yeah, to do exactly. that. It's been two years now. If, if you can't get a team consistent in two years, then are you really going to get them any more consistent? Yeah, Probably exactly. Not. So maybe taking them as far as they can. You say in there about uh, that they you didn't think they scored six, and I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said after the game he thought it could have been twelve four. And to be honest, I think he's right. Anthony Martial had a few chances. Yeah, we're Leeds lucky to only concede six. And I ask that, but. Because Leeds have conceded 27 goals this season, more than anyone in the in the country, well, in the top leagues. Should, is there anything to worry about there, or is that just is, you know you just take that because of the way they play, and you think, well, we'll concede, but we'll also score. Um, yeah, I meant I didn't see him scoring six before the game. Obviously, during the game, it was. Like, oh yeah, no, uh, I understand they, that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, they could have scored a handful. Um, I don't know because I was watching a little bit of MLF last night, and Gary Neville. Which is unusual for him. Didn't criticise a team that just conceded six goals. He was, you know, he's seen them live. They're pretty good watch. Okay, but then I, I remember I've said the same about Fulham, where they could score a lot of goals, but they concede, and I think they're going to go down. So then I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't I feel the same way about Leeds? Because Leeds are very similar. So I'm a bit conflicted in that. But I think with Leeds, I just think they they will score. What's the word? You look at Fulham on the weekend. I think they drew one all. They've drawn nil-nil recently. I don't think they can score consistently, whereas I think Leeds kind of will more often during the season. They probably will stay up. But yeah, are they going to change? Probably not. So we'll see results, I guess, throughout the season, I guess. I'd be worried if I was Leeds, personally, relegation-wise, just because I don't see Bamford keeping up. I, I, I said it before, I think it's like a team of hookie style purple patch. And then I think his goals dry up. And then Leeds are not scoring three or four games. They're scoring maybe one, two a game. And then teams are picking them off. And plus, Bielsa's teams have records of kind of tailing off late on in the season because of how intense they play. I think, where are they now? About 15th in the table? Yeah. They tail off a bit. They are in the relegation zone. So, and I yeah, think I see, you've seen I the see teams down it. there. The teams down there, Fulham um, and Burnley especially. West Brom, if Big Sam can get something out of them, will start getting points. And the gap between Leeds and those three, four teams will start closing. And um, yeah, I would be worried if I was Leeds. Uh, it's interesting you say that, because I, I was just going to come to you and ask about that. Because I look at Leeds and I think, normally when you're conceding that many goals, there's a lot of individual errors and you think, right, you know, let's, pl- let's plug another centre-back in. Or if we just sit back a bit more, offer a bit, you know, a bit more protection in midfield or so forth. With this Leeds team, I don't even see that they're conceding because of errors. It's not like they've got a keep who's chucking it in the net, like Aaron Ramsdale. They're getting, they are getting absolutely carved apart. And I, I agree with what you're saying. My worry would be, and it is likely to happen, because it happens to every club, and it happens especially to the lower, to the lower teams. But is it fair to say maybe that because expectations on Leeds are higher than the other, you know, other teams who've been promoted, are Leeds basically where they should be and Bielsa doing a very good job or is it 
no, you're doing a good job, but if they were to finish 15th or 16th, would that be seen as a good season? What do you think? Would you, Burke, would you? Yeah, I think that would be a good season. I think any promoted team, I don't think their ambition can ever be anything other than survival. Like, I've never seen a promoted team come up and go, oh, we want top 10. No, you come up, you survive, you build on that. So I think that would be a good season. Whether they achieve that would be something I'm worried about. But last thing on Marcelo Bielsa, we know we're not going to change. And in a way, I, I hope he doesn't change. However, over the course of 38 games, with the intensity that we've spoken about, could his philosophy and the Leeds tactics actually hinder them to our last 10, 15 games? Um, is, it, is it stubborn for a manager not to change at all, knowing that perhaps slight changes and would bring a few more extra results? Yeah, I see what you're saying. You could look at it both ways. I guess the only thing I would say is he seems to be picking the same players all the time, whereas I think he does. I think he can play the same way and do exactly what he's doing, but he needs to change personnel and just make sure that they're doing similar things. Then I think he, they might just be okay. You gotta remember, they. I know Newcastle aren't very good. But they bought a Newcastle five two, didn't they? So you know, you gotta look at that in isolation. I just think they will beat the teams that are in and around them if they are in a relegation battle. The likes of Fulham's, Burnley's, Brighton, which who I think now are in a rele- relegation battle. They haven't won for a while. I think they'll beat those sort of teams, and then you know they'll just finish mid table. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, yeah, but like I say, it's nice to see a manager actually just, just sticking to his guns being a bit stubborn because... I don't know no. oh, I don't know if they get relegated by a point that point could have come against Man U if he just set up with a bit of common sense there was a few games start the season where they lost it just because like Liverpool opening game of the season Liverpool really didn't turn up all needed was a bit of common sense to just sit back and yeah he failed to do and Liverpool won later on um, but I did see Patrick Bamford uh, became Marcelo Bielsa's top scorer of all time, all clubs he's been at. No player scored more for Bielsa than uh, Patrick Bamford. I love it. Do you know? Do we know many other? Thirty-five, I'm pretty sure. See, I I think that points though to the fact that Bielsa doesn't stay long. Yeah. Thirty-five is not that many goals, really, for a striker. No. Three years Especially, as well. Yeah, in a striker that plays in teams, you know, Bielsa's teams, which are all out attack. Definitely yeah. in the 30s. This is his longest stint at the club, though, with Leeds. So that tells you. And that's about yeah. two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. Two and a half years. So. I got a lot of respect for Bielsa. I like Leeds. I like the football they play. My feelings are well documented, though, on on Marcelo. And we, I'm sure we'll, we'll revisit it. Give, give us an overview, Sims. Give us an overview. No, I, I just I don't want to bore people. My feelings are uh, pretty. Go back and look at the old podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on Spotify like, and any good streaming service, according to Luke Butler. Should have been coach of the year, man. Jurgen Klopp. We have come on to that. So, um, this season, 2020, it is the first time since 1994 that no London club will be in the top four over Christmas. Nice of staff, you boys. No. What happened to Spurs? <laughs> we'll. We'll leave the Spurs chat for now. But what I wanted to move on to was the team at the top of the pile who had a resounding victory on the weekend. Liverpool Football Club, 7-0. Burke, how, how good is this Liverpool team? 
um, without doubt, the best of all our lifetimes. Um, yeah, I'd, a few years ago when we talk about like the Real Madrid team who was winning Champions League every year, the Barcelona team who dominated for that three, four-year spell, um, I think this Liverpool team is up there alongside them on merit. I think another season where we get silverware, a Champions League, a Premier League, and you can rightfully say they are as good as all those teams and they are the team of the generation. I can't say any higher than that. I am. Um... I'm interested, but in in your opinion on this, because obviously being a Spurs fan, but also a fan who isn't a fan of Liverpool, because I come from that aspect, obviously. Um, Crystal Palace early kickoff. You look at it, you think that's a typical game. As a fan of a team who are in direct competition with Liverpool, how much of a kick in the teeth or how much of a mental blow can it be to teams? When you look at your phone, you see that Liverpool are not only they winning, they've absolutely obliterated them. Yeah, I I can say from experience now, that's exactly what happened to me on Saturday. I was out about in Cardiff on Saturday, and I looked at the results for draft reasons as well. And when I saw seven 0 my initial thought was Liverpool have won the league. They should go on now and win the league, because in reality, about a week ago, their closest challengers were Spurs, and that was all changed. You know, not going to happen in seven days. And Spurs went to Crystal Palace and should have lost. We were lucky to get a point in the end. Probably should have lost that game. And Liverpool have gone there, like you say, early kickoff, gone there, early kickoffs, uh, you know, they can't be what they are. And to score seven past that team against Guaita, what an absolute world against Spurs. And he just shipped seven against Liverpool. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with Burke. It's probably the best Liverpool team I've seen. And you could argue that it's one of the best Premier League teams that we've seen probably in the last two decades. A lot of those players would get in, maybe not all time 11, but there'd be arguments for at least a few of those players. And yeah. the same, the Champions League teams who have won in the last decade, a lot of those players, you could make an argument for, they might not get in, but definitely an argument for. Um, yeah, it's scary. It's scary times, because if I'm not mistake, mistaken, a lot of them are under 30. They're in their peaks, primes. So it's looking good for Liverpool, but yeah, it's quite scary times. But, um, as good as Liverpool were, and we, t- we touched on Crystal Palace there, I want to just touch on them for a sec. They actually weren't that bad, which which yeah. I think it's so stupid. And I feel I do feel for them a bit because they lost seven 0 but I've seen teams play far far worse and get draws. I've seen teams play far far worse and get beat one or two nil. I think it was a bit of a freak. But one thing I want to touch on, Bert, um, every team playing this weekend. This was the first weekend where every team in the league had three games a week. So what, what I mean is, last weekend a midweeker, then this weekend. Yeah. So every team in the league. So this is what we this is what we've been talking about now for three weeks in terms of injuries. So for every team, for like the Burnleys, the Sheffield United, the Palace, they've now had to go through what every team in Europe goes through. Yeah. Now every team who play in their first three weeker this weekend lost. So this is we've got eight weeks of this now. There'll be twelve yeah. Premier League rounds in fifty-six days. So does this point to actually how much of a toll it can take having a midweek game? And should we be putting more respect on the clubs who are in Europe? Because they are having to do it all the time and yet having to go then to you know a slump at midday or 
you know, like Sheffield United at three o'clock. Is, mm. Do we read into that book, or is it just look? It was just one of those weekends, and it's just it's just move on. Uh, time will tell. Obviously, if that's a theme, like you said, over the next what was it eight eight uh, games? Eight weeks, more or less. Now, where there's going to be a lot of games the for same. everyone. I think, obviously, at the end of the eight weeks, you can look back. It could be just a one-off. Um, but it could be that thing of being used to it, having training only for two days between games, maybe only one day between games. The teams were doing it all the time. Kind of know more what to focus on in those two, three days, which could make all the difference. Um, but And then you've obviously got the thing of the bigger squads, the better squads. Although Liverpool didn't make that many changes, did they, to the uh, Spurs game and uh, Palace game lineups? Um, good question, Sims. Caught me off guard with that one. Well, Actually, yeah, I, put that work in on that one. Yeah, okay, this is what research. This is what it is when you've got a week off. <laughs> Unbelievable. But no, I asked him only simply because I actually thought Palace looked tired um, midway through the second. And I, I know they were feeling then, down half time. It's difficult to come out. It's not going to be blasting. But I thought it looked like it, Liverpool looked like a team who knew we know what we're about. If we can get one up, two up. We'll then start playing our thing, and then you could just see the energy just sap or a palace. Now I also watched um, I watched Spurs Leicester. Both teams have been playing midweek. Um, obviously with Europe, I thought both of them looked quite tired. Um, I touched on Man United and Man City in that game a few weeks ago. They look they look shattered. Yeah. Um, even Man City against Southampton, you know, by the end. But then you look at for as much as City are struggling. Southampton are struggling far more. So I, I just wanted to know whether it's catching up on teams. Um, and, and like I said, well, we all know I've been tracking these injuries. And buts, I'm telling you, it is, it is definitely <laughs> catching up now. Sanderberg is out for three months. Chris yeah. Wilder, suck on that. <laughs> so, but what, what, where do you stand on it? Is it the fact that, you know, obviously not everyone, not every team is going to lose next week in terms of the teams who aren't in Europe but are the European teams now showing how difficult it actually is? Yeah, I, I, to be honest I think most fans of, of the European teams or people you know, watch a lot of football would know and appreciate how hard it is to go Champions League midweek to then play on a Sunday or Saturday whatever day you're playing. I think it is and the relegation teams I'd say especially the ones who are promoted teams I should say sorry Obviously, they've played a lot of midweek games in the championship, so they're probably used to it. But it is the likes of your Palaces, maybe your Burnley's, some other teams who just aren't used to it. And yeah, I didn't hear that start weekend, but I mean, the proof's in the pudding there. If they've all lost, it's obviously been a shock to the system. What I would say is there's all this talk about five subs and all these arguments going on. And this is more from a draft point of view, trying to work out who's going to play. But yet, most teams played exact, more or less the same starting 11s. So then I'm going, well, Surely you know how tired your players are. You've got all these, you know, science, um, sports scientists. But yet, you know, you look at Leeds, most of them played the same. Palace, I, I think most of them are the same players who played in midweek. So I'm like, oof, you know, do the managers need to look at their squads and rotate a bit more? But at the end of the day, you've got to get results new. So you got to play those players. So, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot more rotation in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think, and, and like you said, I mean, uh, the... It's, it's always a hectic time of year anyway. Um, but I, I just think by the end of December, now the last, there's normally a fixture on the 27th, 28th, then straight to the new year, you've got the FA Cup starts. Yeah. I, I just think that FA Cup tie, I can't see any team in the Premier League 
doesn't matter who they are playing more than three or two, three or four starters. I think that FA Cup because if you look at that week, teams can almost give their players three to four days completely off. And I just think that's all that's going to happen is the cups this year are going to get devalued so much. I've just seen Brentford have kept their top goal scorer on the bench in the League Cup. Ivan Tony. Chairman, yeah. So you know, even even the Championship teams are looking at going. You know, I think I'll keep them for the weekend. You know, I think sense. I think the, the I, and I look at clubs like Spurs and Everton then, and I think this is their year to go after the League Cup. Go and get a trophy. Oh, if he doesn't, if he doesn't start, a lot of the lost boys. Well, <laughs> the higher, the higher than us at the moment. So I can't argue with that. But no, if he doesn't start, a lot of those boys against Stoke either tomorrow or Thursday, whatever the game is, then yeah, he needs because he needs to go for it. He needs to win something. What are you going to say then? He needs to go. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Not yet. Right. It's interesting you come on to um, Jose Mourinho. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but so first of all, Wednesday night, Ugh. how much did it pain you that Roberto Firmino, of all people, decided to pop up with a winner? Oh, well, not, yeah, obviously it, it, it's devastating, but you know, the worst thing was I was sitting on the sofa and before the call came in, I was thinking, oh, please, not another one. Please, not another late goal against Liverpool. I can't take it. And then Eric Dyer falls over as if he's on strictly. And then Bobby Firmino tucks in the top corner. Um, yeah, it was, it, was very, it was a great header, to be fair. It was, Liverpool deserved the result, but obviously at that time, you're, you're hoping that you nick a draw. And then the thing is, seven days is so long in football. Before that goal, I'm thinking, oh, we've nicked the point at Anfield. We're still in it. Go to Leicester now, get get a win there. Roll on, roll on. I know it's all bloody falling apart. And yeah, my feelings around the team and Joseph have changed quite significantly. <laughs> Burke, um, Jose Mourinho, tactical masterclass at Anfield. Discuss. I think it's what we've seen him do on every single visit all of our lives. I don't think I've ever seen him come there and go, right, we're going to smash his team today. Um, so I wasn't surprised by it and he is the best at it and they almost work perfectly and obviously if Bourgeois could finish it could have been a different story um, but it would have I think for once I'm agreeing with Chris Sutton on a footballing matter he even tweeted that it was good for football that Liverpool won the game I gotta agree with him it was horrible to watch I actually really like Mourinho whenever he's managing team that's not playing Liverpool so, like, in the other 36 games in the season, but I'll be happy to watch him do it because I think there's something about just playing that brand of football, like yeah. shutting a team that good offensively out. But, um, and it was frustrating to watch. So I can't imagine how those Liverpool players were feeling to actually be playing against it. But I think that points more towards their character to just keep going, keep going and getting the win in the end. Um, but no, it's what Mourinho does. And he's the best at there and it did almost pay off. Why he does it against Leicester, though, is another question. I uh, I just want to stay with you, Burke, for a sec. So I want you to think about Mourinho's post-match interview. We spoke about this. So put that together with his comments about Jurgen Klopp winning Coach of the Year, which I found a bit random because, you know, it's got nothing really to do with Mourinho or Spurs. Yeah. Um, put then with his comments yesterday uh, about Leicester's, the Leicester game where he said again that... Um, Basically, Leicester didn't do enough to win. 
that Spurs were very lucky not to get anything from it. And um, he decided to say that, I think he described Serge Aurier's performance as um, phenomenal with a mistake involved. And then this morning now, he's come out and he's discussing the um, state of Stoke City's changing ground, um, not changing ground, changing rooms, away changing rooms. He's not a happy man at the moment. Is there anything to worry about if you're a Spurs fan when Mourinho does get like this? I don't know, because towards the end of his Man U and even the start of his Spurs spell, I didn't see him as the same Mourinho. Like, he was a lot quieter, a lot more reserved. And then things started going well, and next thing, he's making comments every game. And I think that's Mourinho we all love back in Chelsea, is that one just wind-up merchant. Before Liverpool game, he'd make comments. Before uh, the Man U game, he'd make comments. You could see him smirking when Spurs were smashed Man U. Like he was up to the old tricks again. Um, and then, yeah, something's got to him. And I think that something is Jurgen Klopp. And it's reminding me now of how he was at Real Madrid when Guardiola was beating him every season. And, um, yeah, I think he's still trying to play the media and be on top of it too much. I think now that he's in a bad mood doing it, it's coming across even more. Um, so I would be worried because the only times I've seen him this kind of bitter this much is the Real Madrid at the end, Chelsea at the end, and Man U at the end. So I've never, I've never seen him like this, kind of in the peak of his time at any of those clubs. I um, I I, I agree with you, and I, I'll go to you in a minute, but but I. So, for example, I listed a few instances there. So, the Leicester, after the Leicester game, I think you could just put it down, you know, it's just heat in the moment, doesn't matter, his comment. I think the Stoke City one, I don't really think he's done much wrong. I just used it as an example because it's another thing. But I said to you, Burke, and I know you agreed with me, that interview after the Liverpool game on Wednesday night, I found really, a massive red flag. Yeah. Because I've seen that Mourinho before. And it tends to then lead to a lot of animosity and a lot of problems. And I just found it so out of character because, and the comments, I mean, you know, this idea that the best team lost. I just, I just, there's one thing to be, to almost, you know, be putting your... Defending your team. Defending your team, yeah, and putting it up and us against the world. But I mean, if I'm Harry Kane, I'm looking at going, right, I've gone and played the way you wanted us to play. We are absolutely battered I mean they were yeah and then for him to come out afterwards and say oh the best team I'd look and go mate you're young yeah like, if I'm a player I'm I'm there like going I'm not stupid I was on that pitch like yeah. he's trying to pull the wool over his own players eyes like and, and the fans and I just and like you said then to go then so then you think in it so that's you know that's done you think he'd want to to then go back in and say well Jurgen Klopp again with this coach of the year didn't and the one comment that really I thought, oh, this this is Pete Mourinho now, where he tends to go and meltdown, is when he starts talking about how people react on the touchline. However, the managers. That was the same guy I saw one stage, halfway down the touchline, trying to get the ball back for his team. Well, do you see him? I think 90th minute, I think it may have been before Firmino scored. Um, Orian Kane had a mix up and the ball went out for a throw in, and he runs about 10, 15 yeah. yards out, and he's like clapping him on, but he's like basically on the pitch. I, and he tripped up all your at Oh, I mean, the guy's got previous, but exactly. Are you are you at all worried, or is it just the, the Jose experience, and it's just that we're looking at it now because Spurs have had a few bad results? 
I'm worried in the sense that because I was probably like a lot of Spurs fans and maybe some of the football fans that he had actually relaxed and he had not so much change because I don't think you've changed but he he seemed like he adapted and going quieter yeah just a bit quieter the thing the biggest thing for me is he's coming into Spurs which we all know is not as big as Real Madrid not as big as Man U not as big as Chelsea you know the only club you can compare it to is probably Porto when he was there first as all so I'm thinking why just why just act like you were Porto the pressure's off. Nobody expects you to win the league at Spurs. So you're trying to build to get to there. So I don't get... When he's at Man U, I could understand because there was big pressure to win everything. Same with Madrid. Um, same with Chelsea. So it is worrying in that sense that I don't get why he's going back to these old ways when, in reality, he could have lost to Liverpool. Okay, if you think that the better team lost, which he didn't, then say that to your players privately. Burn press. You know, just say the blase stuff. And move on. I, I, I just don't understand why he's coming out with all these different things. Is it a deflect off that maybe he knows deep down that these players aren't as good as he thought they were? That some of them aren't title winners and they're not never going to be. And now no he's trying to, to Liverpool. No, I know that they so, I said that's that. why I, don't I said get, that. Yeah. That's why I was pr- not not proud as in well, we lost and we got battered more or less. Um but, you know, I've seen a score there before and we try and play football. It's embarrassing. You're just like, oh, well, we can't win. We can't win playing football and we can't win bloody shutting up shop. So what do we do? You know, we just accept that Liverpool are the best team in the league and one of the best teams, Premier League team for a while. And you move on to the next games. Because I, I told Steve as well after the game, we were only three points behind. You know, it's like, it's like oh, we had to win that game. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. What was that for? I mean. You sent me Sims. I think two minutes before the final whistle, Liverpool were were Liverpool second in the league. Uh, yeah, I think in the ninth, so like enter the ninetieth minute, um, Liverpool were yeah second in the league, and then within a week, Liverpool are like five clear with an extra six goal difference over there yeah. as well. So this is why I don't get. He, he should have just gone. Okay, we lost the ninetieth minute. You know, you lie to the players, and say, oh, we played well. You know, if we scored those chances. Might have been a different game. Let's make sure now we win the next few games to stay in it. But obviously that hasn't happened now. And I think you can attribute that to Mourinho's, well, I wouldn't say meltdown, but it's bloody close to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I, I was saying on WhatsApp, the Leicester game for me was a lot worse. Because that whole, if the fans were there, it would have been absolute carnage, I think. I think some fans might have voiced their anger towards the team. You know, you've got Sergio right now making these mistakes. You know, we've made the mistakes of Mourinho's gone off and won. He's gone off and won. He's made that mistake. Some of the other players just didn't look like they were bothered. And I don't know. I think Sajori is making mistakes no matter what's going on. No, I, I'll give him his due. He hasn't He hasn't given away penalties like that for <laughs> a little while. But that's then he's obviously got in his that locker. You, that's actually worth yeah, well, commenting on. Yeah, it's in his locker, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah I, 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 a lot going on, I suppose, so. Let's see what happens. Let's Just to get end there. the uh, Sergiori debate, I actually have a stat on Sergiori. Nice. No player, or no, sorry, no player. There is one player. Only one player has given more penalties away since the start of last season. Do you want to name that player? Uh, a calamitous defender once again. I'm seeing Titus Bramble, but he's not been <laughs> in the Premier League the last 12 months. I can confirm um, it's not Titus Bramble. Ben Although he's did not Benjamin Mendy. I don't know. I don't know. Another North Londoner. 
Kai Walker. Oh, David Luiz. David Luiz. Oh, of course it is, man. David Luiz, because he's 5 penalties. And I'm pretty sure there were four of them week after week. I remember him because he did a lot. Yeah, he had a run, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and then Sergio with three. But we'll, we'll stick a fork in the Mourinho chat for now. We'll keep an eye on that. Stick with him, Unbelievably, Jose Mourinho hasn't been the manager talking the most shit for the last couple of days. That award goes to the man who said, and I quote, this is the direct quote, Last weekend, it was a 67% chance of winning any Premier League game in history and a 9% chance of losing, and you lose. 3% against Burnley, and you lose. 7% against Spurs, and you lose. There is something else apart from that. It is not just the performance on the pitch. It is something else that needs to go away, and at the moment, it doesn't. So my question to you, but is, what on earth does any of that mean? Mikel Arteta. He's clearly been watching Moneyball and thought, ooh. Some stats, <laughs> I can get on board with that. Oh, I mean, I think I read something earlier on Sport Bible, I don't know if it's true, but apparently they've inserted um, like um, relegation clauses into yeah. contracts. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, good God, that club has fallen down. But, you know, obviously I'm a Spurs fan, so obviously I'm going to take some pleasure, but it's getting to a point now where I kind of feel sorry for them. I'm feeling a bit, you know, a bit of pity nah. for them because it's, oh, it, it is embarrassing. Just the whole mess of the club is all over the shop but you know we've spoken about Arteta a few times and he's looking a bit of a fraud at the moment because you can say what you like but he's been there for a year now it's as if he's been there for five minutes and he's brought in some players and he's had time to develop a style and a way of playing and they all just look like tear in the headlights they don't know what the hell is going on I don't think it looks like a style of play and yeah I couldn't really say what they do I, I don't see what they do well you know, they're playing five at the back, but would you trust any of those centre-backs? You know, the Gabriel one, he gets sent off two yellows in five minutes, gets booked on the halfway line. Yeah, just a lot of immature, just amateurish stuff going on in that club. And yeah, they probably deserve to be where they are. Burke, um, obviously, you know, the, the, the struggles are pretty obvious for all to see. Um, yeah. But uh, there was a famous... Uh, Pundit, who actually said at the start of the season that he got Arsenal's front three with one of the best in the league. Um, <laughs> now, if I was to tell you that William has had one shot on target in 15 games this season, how? And then you've got Mesut Ozil, the World Cup winner, yeah. who can't get in the squad. Um, is is it time now for Arteta and Arsenal to swallow their pride and say, right, you know, we are in bad dire straits. Let's get him registered. Let's get him on a pitch because we're paying him enough. Um, yes, I. I think if they've got space in the squad... In January, no, they can re-register. Ah, right, okay. So, I think the first thing I'd be doing is getting rid of Arteta before doing that. (laughs) Or I'd be doing it on the same day. I'd be signing one up and getting rid of one. Um, But, yeah, I think just to go back to one of the points Butts made, that he's been there a year and a half or a year and he's had time to develop something. I don't think he knows where he wants to develop because he came in, one of the first things he did was Enketia was playing, Sack was playing, Maitland Niles was playing bring in youth players, and you think, okay, that's the way he wants to go, fine, and they got results. Suddenly, he's gone away from that, signed William, Lacazette back in the team, David Luiz is now playing every week, now he's gone back to the experienced players, and then that won't work, and now he's chucked the youngsters back in, and that's not working either. It's like, he hasn't gone in and gone, right, this is what I want to do, and he's changed about three, four times since he's gone in. The only thing he's kept consistent with is playing shit football. That's it. That's the only consistent. Um, so, yeah, I think they cannot be any worse. 
bring back Ozil, and I think they should. Yeah, well, (laughs) they'd be better off for it. Um, Mesut Ozil, since Arteta's first game in charge, um, he's created more chances per 90 than any other player. So he's created an average 2.2 chances a game. Nobody else in the Arsenal squad has created more than two. So not only is he clear, he's not only is he clear, he's way clear. At what stage is it negligent to be paying someone that much money and to say, no, no, we are better off without him? They, you know, we talk about character issues and things, but personally, I mean, you know what, you know, they knew when they signed him what they were getting. Yeah. They were never going to have, you know, a John Henderson type runner, a Harry Kane type who's going to give his yeah. all. It was always going to be, he looks nice, he plays nicely, and you're going to have games where he goes instead. I think it was negligent on day one. Like, the moment you do it, it's negligent. Because you look at everything he's accomplished. How can you say the club is not better off or even having that on the bench for the last five minutes if your team need a goal? Like, it's negligent immediately. Now it's just stupidity. Yeah. I think I've said on the pod before that I wouldn't bring Ozil back in because, you know, I want to stick to my principle. But if I was in Arteta's shoes now, I'd be, you know, swallowing my pride and going, look, you know, let's wipe the stay clean. I'm in trouble you. here. The club needs you. You know, we're looking like we're in a relegation battle. You know, I know you want to leave probably. You know, let's showcase you for the next two or three months and then we'll allow you to leave. Um, Plus, just, eh. just make everything about Ozil though, because like you say, yeah. bringing in Willian, you know, 32, they send Aubameyang who's in his 30s. You can say Lacazette, David Luiz signed a new contract. He's in his 30s. Cedric's pushing 30. Yeah, oh, yeah. I won't blame just Arteta because that's what's his name, Edu. Edu, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, going to say about him one as well. He needs to get some blame. A couple of weeks ago, he came out and said, "Oh, the squad's lacking a creative player." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bad. Yeah. I don't know he what's is. going on there. I'm enjoying watching it, but yeah, because he's backing Arteta. But the thing is, he has to back Arteta because if he doesn't, then he looks like an idiot as well. So it's like in the NFL, like a general yeah. manager brings in a, a head coach, you have to back them, otherwise you look stupid. So. He's going to ride out and then once Arteta's gone, if he's gone, he'll, t- he'll take the blame. But... Simple yes or no, does Arteta last a season, Burke? No. But? <sighs> I'd say gone by Christmas if I could. <laughs> is he on the merry-go-round? Um, I, I'll, say, I'll say yes, but he, he is on a knife's edge. He is on, he's on the cliff. Oh, I he, don't, how can you say yes? They're like, uh, they're they're like six points above relegation. I know, but... Maybe maybe they'll win a game they shouldn't and things will kick off. But I'll give him one percent chance. Okay, we'll take it. Next now we're gonna move on to the draft section. So this week's question, Burke, was prepared by you. If you want to take over, yeah. So I've gone with what I call the Sylvan Ebanks Blake draft. So simply players that we think have been too good for the championship, um, but not quite good enough for the Premier League. So there's so many names this could apply to, so it'll be hard to just get six out there, to be honest. Um, I've got so many honourable mentions come to at the end. But to decide the order, I've got a trivia question based on the face of the draft, Mr. Sylvan Ebanks-Blake. So, Sims, I'll come to you first. It's a numerical answer, so just give you a guess. Closest one will go first. Um, He has played 76 Premier League games. How many goals... That he scored in the Eight. Premier League. Eight. Bats, what are you going with? 
Um, I think it's better. I'll just go. I'll go nine. Good work, Bats. I love the tactics. Yeah. It's ten. Yes. It's I'll ten. Bats first. Sims then myself. All right. And um, Sylvani Banks Blake will not be mentioned unless he's disqualified because it's all in his honour. <laughs> exactly. It's like the big Sam list we did. Right. Um, God, there there are so many players to choose from. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I did want to say the whole Sheffield United team's squad, <laughs> but I'm not sure I can say that. Um, so <laughs> I'll leave that one as it is. Um, some of them might not be the sexist names, but these, once you said it, these are the first players that came into my mind. And I'm going to say, I haven't done much research, I'm just going to say what it is. Uh, first player that comes to my mind was John Rhodes. Now, when he was probably, I don't know, maybe in his early 20s, mid 20s, he was banging in goals in the Championship. And everybody was touting him to go to the next big thing. He's going to go to the Prem, he's going to score loads and loads of goals. And unfortunately for the boy, he made a move for coming, but he went. He went to the Premier League and it just didn't work out for him. And now I believe he's playing for maybe Sheffield Wednesday. And I saw him play against Swans a few weeks ago. And he looks like your typical championship striker, just holds the ball up, moves it on, maybe sets some other people up, but doesn't score many goals uh, to go along with his team. And it's a shame because when he was scoring goals, he did look like a proper player and looked like the next big British star. Middlesbrough, um, that's yeah. it. Yeah, Jim will go for the boy. Um, yeah, that was that was the first name that came into my mind. I'm, I'm sure there's some sexy names out there, but uh, Jordan Rhodes is in the number one. With Jordan Rhodes, um, like you see these strikers in the Championship scoring, like I think a good Championship tally for goals is in the twenties. Not many players get mid thirties, and I'm sure that is why he's gone a couple of yeah. occasions, like mid thirties quality back in the day in the Championship. Um, and I get. Um, so same. I think I, it's probably worth mentioning. We all said the start. This tends to favour forwards because, as you said, Berg, it's easier to compare yeah. with their goals and assists and everything. Um, but so I stick with the forward. Um, one of the first names that came to my mind, and it's a bit controversial, I suppose, because you could argue he wasn't. He didn't really flop in the prem, but he's the only man to score a hat trick at every level in English football and internationally. And I think he's a Welsh cult hero, but he just never nailed the place down in the Prem, um, despite being pretty lethal for Cardiff City. But mine is Robert Earnshaw. Yeah. Nice. He's mine. The exact trivia question is the only player who's got a hat-trick Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, FA Cup, League Cup, and in an international game. It's incredible. I, I never knew that. That's it's mad. Yeah. Um, but my first pick, also a centre-forward. Represented England at under 17s, 18s, 19s, and under 20s. He's never been capped at senior level, but in 2014 he did his best but, uh, by trying to switch his international allegiance by announcing he was ready to renounce his British citizenship. Uh, the country he wanted to play for was India, and they said no. Um, he's currently serving a 10 year ban from the British Horse Racing Authority for suspicious betting activity. He's been to court for offences relating to cocaine. His club have once paid off a debt of £250,000 gambling debt. Um, and he found out that his wife of seven months had left him through Facebook when she changed her status from uh, married to single. 
So it's quite easy to see why he never made it at the top level. There was a lot going on in his life. Um, 60 Premier League games. He scored nine goals, um, which is actually better than I thought he had, to mm. be fair. Um, 258 championship goals and um, games and only 79 goals, which isn't quite as good as I thought. But for a two, three-year spell, he was on fire for Cardiff. Uh, it's Michael Chopra. I can see why. I can see why. And he was key to that Roy Keane uh, Sunderland team. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, Michael Chops. Sure, right to about him with all that. Sure. I know. I tell I you what we do, him and Stephen Ireland. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> don't, don't. Let's oh, move on. Start, then you'll have some stories. He's a mad. We didn't go on, you know. <laughs> My next pick was going to be Rob Earnshaw. But in a way, I'm glad he wasn't, so I can speak about this guy. And for me, this is the absolute textbook. Too good for the championship, not good enough for the prem centre forward, even more so than Sylvan himself. Um, just 14 goals he scored in 97 Premier League games, uh, which is far away from his international record of a goal every time he plays. <laughs> um, recently, James Vardy was asked if he could play alongside any striker in history, who would his dream strike partner be? And he actually chose this guy. So for Jamie Vardy, he's above the likes of Ronaldo, Messi, Pele, Cruyff. This goes on. But for every single other soul in the world, he's just a probably top half championship striker, Mr. David Nugent. Nice. Very nice. He is. I can see. I can 100% see it. Yeah. Because like, if you're if you're set any box Blake as the scale as the guy, David Nugent falls right on the line, doesn't it? The fact, the fact he got capped while playing in the championship, I think, adds to it as well. And the fact that his goal was there from a yard out, which he nicked from somewhere else. Before, yeah, mad. Oh, slash, I, I really like that one. Yeah. Um, I'll change tack simply because I think just for a bit of um, bit of difference. So, mine is defender and full disclosure. I didn't actually think of this person. I went looking. I thought of the teams who always seem to come up and down, up and down. Um, and I went to Norwich because they are the classic yo-yo team, obviously. And from there, I started looking at their teams who got relegated. And I clicked this guy because I thought, oh, I know him. He's played in the Prem, good figures. Um, so this guy's been relegated four times from the Prem with three different clubs. Now he's a centre half, so it's not a good, good little thing stat to have anything. But he's also been promoted at least twice. I think he's actually put it three times, but he's at least twice I can think of. Um, but the problem is you never saw him as the guy at the back in the Prem. But yet, if you put him in Championship, if he's playing, you know, middle wall away, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he landed himself, no problem. But mine is Sebastian Passong. Nice. Uh, nice. That's a good shout there. Very good. Right. So it's up to me to finish it off. Um, now, again, <laughs> when this topic came up, I was thinking, you know, between 2007, 2010, those sorts of years, what kind of strikers were about? Who, who was, you know, there, but you know, you know the name, but he never scored many goals. And I'm going to go to a club similar to Norwich, who were a bit up and down at the time, and I haven't been in the Prem for a while, and that is Redden. Now, this guy was up front for Redden for a couple of seasons and didn't do much, but in the Championship, was fairly prolific. And I'm pretty sure he was in the Secret Footballer book. I don't know if he if he wrote one or if he was just a story in it. You can correct me. And that player was Dave Kitson. 
I'm not sure if he was. Dave Kitson is the secret footballer. Yeah, well, there we are. We could be sued, so allegedly. But <laughs> allegedly. Everything points towards a B&M. Yeah. It's never been confirmed. I think yeah, he's also yeah. a massive dickhead, isn't he? Oh, he is, yeah. Look, I'll guess he's 100% him. <laughs> 100% <laughs> him and yeah he's, he comes across a master dickhead allegedly yeah. he had stints of Stoke and Red in his prem and never lit it up I think he had 10 goals for his best season all the rest were 1, 2s and 3s so in yeah. the secret footballer book though he makes out as if he was Cristiano Ronaldo in disguise wow genuinely don't say that <laughs> he says he had, he, when he touched the ball he like he knew it was a good touch and he was seeing other players do it and he couldn't really like, understand why their touch weren't as good as his and I never saw it because obviously I read the books now in the last few years, which mm. long, long time after he's finished playing in the Prem. Having watched him in the Prem, I never thought some of the stuff he wrote, like I've never thought he was any good. No. But Dave Kitson did. Hey, that's all it counts. Just in six, I'm not going to do a Rob and name them all, but I am going to ask you for honourable mentions. So, Burke, honourable mentions? Um, my honourable mention, I'm going to. Say one from each position, except goalkeeper. Our goalkeeper, I'll go David Stockdale would be my honourable mention goalkeeper. Nice. My honourable mention defender would be Anton Ferdinand. I never saw him any good in Prem. Uh, I don't think he played in Championship much, but I think that would have been his level. Um, midfielder, I'll go Wes Houlihan. Nice. And then That's as a centre forward, a controversial one, Patrick Bamford. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. I will not allow that. The only reason I didn't name him is because I don't think he's too good for the championship. I think he is a bang oh. average championship centre forward. So I'm going to change it and go Marlon Harewood. <laughs> hey, can I just stick up for my draft player? Big Pat has been a fantastic acquisition for my team this season and he's been brilliant. One of my best players. So I'll have Get him. back in the championship. What are your honourable mentions, Bet? Um, when I first thought of it, I thought of uh, current players. Um, one that always sticks to mind is uh, Matt Vidra, currently plays with Burnley, played for Watford, scores probably one goal in every 10 in the Prem or something like that. Very good in the Championship, would score a lot of goals. He was one that came to mind. And another one, who I've always liked and always thought he had talent, but now that I've watched him recently, I've gone, hmm, maybe he is in between. And that's uh, Tom Kearney for Fulham, Fulham captain, yeah. who incidentally is not even in the team anymore for Fulham so yeah he's always been up and down like Fulham but never really um, stamped his mark in the Prem. Interesting I had uh, Tom Ince yeah. pretty good at championship level but every time he's on the Prem with Stoke he was actually awful. Ross McCormack yeah but I don't think he played in the Prem that's my only no. thing I don't think he was there with Fulham a lot. I was going to pick him because he was wasn't he the highest transfer in the championship? Yeah million. Yeah so, so you know but and then again, I, I think he played in the Prem and he did it right, but he tailed off so badly. And I think now he's playing in the Championship. Scott Sinclair. Ah, yeah. Um, in his prime, isn't it? he was more than good enough to be. Uh, yeah, I think he only had one season, like I know, one season start in the Prem yeah. Swansea and then he moved to Man City, didn't he? Which was a stupid move mm-hmm. for footballing reasons. Um, but no, that was, um, yeah, Scott Sinclair. And as you were speaking, then I thought of Benick Forby. When you mentioned Thomas, right. I thought yeah, Benick Forby. Nice. Is he? Is he still a Stoke? Is he still playing Stoke? I couldn't tell you. 
chooses to about. What we'll do though, I know Roberto Bowen will have some very good names. So next week on the pod, we will ask him for his two. Yeah. Because I know for a fact he is going to have a lot. The only thing he's told us you know, that one of them is controversial. And I got a feeling it could be Patrick Bamford. <laughs> if it is Patrick Bamford, I'd be, I'd, I'd be, I'd be amazed. Amazed. He's very well, happy for that. He's, he's ripped it up this year. Exactly. Put some respect on that King's name. Yeah. No, we will move on to the surprise question. Now, all three of us can be picked for this. Now, I haven't thought about how we're going to do it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Burke will have a way. So <laughs> I, have, pen I, have, I haven't thought about it. Use, um, I got a piece of paper if you want me to do it quick. Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right. It's not like we're live or anything. While you're doing that, Bert, I'll go through the rest of my honourable mention sims for you. Go on then. Fraser Campbell. Agree. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Cameron Jerome. Oh, 100%. I would he, say Cameron Jerome is on the on the scale as well. He's literally on the line of yeah. Yeah. Um, Jason Kumas. Yeah. yeah, he was a good player. And then Jason Scotland. Jason Scotland. I could see Jason Scotland. Yeah. But I think he is Scotland. He went to Prem quite late. I think he was already in his 30s when he I was going to say, he was over 31, wasn't he? And he was yeah. a week then, wasn't he? Yeah, and I, th- I think he only scored one goal last season. He was at Wigan, but he was important for how they played. He was like a Ricardo Fuller type. So stats-wise, it probably wouldn't show as much, but I think he was important for them. Hmm. Well, Rick Stalinberg, excellent work. Well done, my Brilliant. friend. Cheers, Scotland. That's what he's good for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, as Burke's back this week, I'll let him pick one, two or three. Two. It's That's just me. He's picked himself. Good pick. Right. So, the one I've got, it's not a serious draft topic, or a debate topic even, and it's one that probably could go on a while. So, feel free to cut it short whenever you want to, or we'll move on, because it's to do with all 20 Prem managers. So, we'll just touch on them each quickly. Basically, mm-hmm. the question is, if they didn't have football, what other job could you see them doing? So I've got a list of them. We'll go through them. A couple of them I've wrote think like the first thing in my head. Some I haven't thought of yet. So I've got them going in the clubs in alphabetical order. So the first one, Arsenal, Mikel Arteta. Um, I haven't thought of one for Arteta. Um, what could you see Arteta doing if he wasn't a football manager? Well, football well, manager. Tell you what he's not doing. Some of them are dead by the sound of that. Sixty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. Um. I can see him like a store manager. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I don't know. Is he too pretty? High end fashion. Yeah. No, I, I tell you why he could be. Do you know, like the face of Just for Men? Because yeah. he's got the jet black hair, which I'm 100% sure he dies. He is the face of Just for Men. And I think he'd make his money that way just by doing the ads for men's hair dye. Could, yeah. That's I could. Somewhere to do a fashion anyway. Or cosmetics. Or hair dye. Yeah. I'll go with that. He can't be that good looking and I'll be working in that industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not many store managers pull off that. Yeah, but I, in my head, I had what Bert was saying, like, you know, like a big store, posh store. Okay. You know, it's not like we're talking about the local. Exclusive. Like, like exclusive, yeah. Exactly, do you know what I mean? As a former employee of Selfridges, I've seen a lot of Mikel Arteta type work <laughs> in there. I could see him like, like he wears as well. I could see that. Just walking around, just have a look at the store. 
Pop it yeah. in. Yeah. And they exactly. all go with shit. I can see, yeah. <laughs> Good um, next one, Dean Smith. Chocolate <laughs> oh, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I see Dean Smith um, doing the same yeah, thing. Smith of Selfridges. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, Warehouse manager, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, only only whatever, the business. Whatever job he's doing, he's wearing a high vis. I think we can all agree that. I, I actually, my my thinking was he's in the industrial work, isn't he? He's in high vis. He's, he's working on the tracks. That's what he's doing. Network rail. Do you know what I think Arteta could be? A pharmaceutical rep, just going from one place to another. That cheeky smile gets him in the interviews. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. With a like... <laughs> Right, number three, Graham Potter. Teacher. Um, I actually, I go on. I genuinely think Graham Potter. I've seen, I've seen substitute teachers look exactly like him. Yeah. A bit yeah. nervous, not quite sure what they're doing. You think, oh, I think, he, I think he's got something there, but he just doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. I'm getting Rodney Trotter vibes off him. I am. Like. <laughs> Yeah, substitute teacher. Yes, yeah, like second in command. He's the guy in the room, didn't the time. Oh, he does not quite bold enough to go over and have a chat with the people who normally work there. <laughs> but you know, like, if I go over there now, I'll have a little chat with him, two minutes, and then it's like, oh, I'll just wander on back a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. He'd be the Jordan Rhodes of teachers. He'd be somewhere <laughs> in the middle. He's, he's a substitute teacher, but he, he's, he's quite good, but you just can't make that leap. And you can see why he hasn't got a permanent job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean Dyche. Oh, owns yeah, a cafe. Yeah. Oh, cafe's good then. Owns a cafe. Like a really greasy yeah, spoon style. one in London or in Burnley. Um, greasy spoon. All, Ricky all the is right. Like. Ricky, yeah. Ricky, yeah. I see him. In a trade. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Frank Lampard. Um, well, Had him down as, a, like, in the, like, self-employed, like, maybe a plumber or something like that. Like, yeah, I think he'd own his own a, business. He's a bit of a pretty boy. Yeah. But he, he also, yeah, you can see him getting dirty, you know? Yeah. Like, the I listeners aren't going to know who this guy is, but he reminds me of Sam Weed's boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see yeah. I can see him owning his own, like, carpentry business or something like that. He doesn't get with his hands dirty, but he owns everything. Yeah. yeah I, say, I can't see him having, like, you know, the scams yeah. and that. No, but he, 10, 15 years ago, he was down doing the carpentry work himself. I can see, yeah, I can he see he, he's been dirty in his, in his life. No, you know what? I don't think, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you to fight. I don't think he's 10, 15 years ago down doing it. I think his dad was doing it 20 years ago. Frank has come into the family business. Frank's <laughs> gone off to uni and done some degree in like management or something. And then he's come back now and Frank's taken over the family business. So Frank doesn't actually, hasn't actually done a hard day work on site, which is why all the other tradesmen <laughs> take a mick of Frank when he comes down to interact all the big one, like David Brent style. That is who Frank Lampard is, I reckon. He's David Brent. Brilliant. Um, Roy Hodgson. Sure. I had Principal. Hodgson down as like owner of like a local village post office. <laughs> Emily like, Bishop, Connacy style. Yeah. Um, Norris. Norris. He is Norris. Like knows in Evans' business, but ultimately. He's just got his own little chop. That's it. I can also see him in Wetherspoons Friday afternoon, every on the dock, five o'clock, waiting for the teenage girls to come in. Just stand on the top of the stairs with a fight. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> or like, it's like a myth like, that he'd done something like 50 years ago, 
and it just gets passed down like every night out someone like just passes on to the next person like uh Snessie's john radio exactly <laughs> um next one carlo ancelotti i had art dealer down mm. oh. like his own little like oh, yeah. art shop you know i see that speaks a lot yeah. of languages he, in the import business body. yeah definitely he imports the scarves that Arteta flogs down Selfridges. Yeah. 100%. Scott Parker. Oh, no, he could be, but the Selfridges guy. Yeah. Oh, no, he hasn't got the... Rocks a turtleneck. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just when he opens his mouth, you're not listening to you, because he doesn't come across like that. Yeah. I think he sounds a, a bit more common. Scotty P is a tough one. He's a tough one. We'll come back then. Come back to him. Marcelo Bielsa. Something to do with um, the scientific community. I don't know. He'd be experimenting something. It's insane, yeah. Well, exactly. He's like um, Back to the Future, Doc Brown, like. Yeah. He'd um, maybe he's coming to some money and he's experimenting his own. His yeah, own on his stuff. own, in his own garage. His best friend's a rat or something, and he's just <laughs> chilling. He's a local nut, isn't he? Yeah. He's probably John Radio. Something's blown up in a village. Oh, it's just myself. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to worry about. He goes round, he doesn't have a car. He goes round on like a bike, which, which is like made up to be like a car, and you just cycle in the middle of it. <laughs> um, next one, Brendan Rogers. I've got down here a regional manager at Burnham Hog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't argue with that one. <laughs> Politician, I'd say. Politician. Yeah. Maybe a local councillor. Uh, Jurgen Klopp. Um, he, I found this one tough. Uh, he could genuinely be. You talk about politician. He could. I've always said it. He could be a very good politician. Yeah, he's very charismatic. So he, he, he is. He's the type of guy who you'd want to be a politician, but no politicians actually are like that. I'd say lawyer, but no, he's not doing. He's not doing it. And too emotionally invested. Hey, they could be the best lawyers. Mm. Yeah. I oh, know that's yeah, that's a tough one. Something like fire. He's, he's like definitely well job. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. got people under him, isn't he? Yeah. Like he's a leader. Yeah. But I don't know if I trust him making all the all the decisions a day in day out. Like I think you'd have someone doing the. Yeah, but actually, I take it back. He can do what he wants. Pep Guardiola. He's a professor, a university lecturer. Yeah. Yeah, his mind is too. It races too much for him to not be doing something like that. But he's one of those uni lecturers that, like, in his lectures, on like it's such a select subject he does that only like four or five people there. Yeah, like it's not a big yeah. auditorium, is it? I think like, he'd be a good lecturer. Though. I think he'd be one of them. You'd be switched on for like two hours. I think he'd be too intense. No, oh, I'd, I'd like. Yeah, you don't want on a Monday morning, <laughs> or like a Wednesday, yeah. Tuesday. Well, maybe another freshman. Yeah, but. The third years, they need it. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh, God. Fisherman, oh. I had. Job, job centre. Fisherman. Fisherman. Yeah. I think yeah. I also had the Norwegian thing. Cockler, out till like 6am in the morning. Yeah, 100%. Um, this this one's up as well. And actually, he tells them to this guy, Steve Bruce, who I've got as Fishmonger. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Newcastle. Yeah. I could see I could see Steve Bruce behind the Taylor Morrison's. <laughs> <laughs> fish net on his head. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 
blue apron on. I go along with that. Yeah. Um, Chris Wilder, taxi driver, I've got down. <laughs> yeah. A London, <laughs> a London taxi driver, 100%. Yeah. He's like short and angry, and he just yeah. or, or a pub or a local pub owner. A landlord, yeah, be good one. Landlord, isn't it? I've got that in for someone else now in two that picks time. Ralph Hasnoodle. Whatever Klopp's yeah. doing, he's his number two. Yeah. He's a tough one. Well. That's interesting. I guess he can be the teacher. P teacher. Yeah. Because he's very, like, yeah, over the Yeah, yeah. Jose Mourinho. I've got a politician for him because he's arrogant and full of shit. Yeah. I yeah. want to argue. Yeah, i go along with that. All right. Um, three more. Big Sam. I've got him as a pub landlord at, like, a really rough pub, though. Yeah. Like, see him standing by the door, the arms, yeah. arms folded. Yeah. Or a kebab house owner, I can see her. Fish and chip shop. Yeah, fish and chip shop, yeah. yeah. And, like, an old village fish and chip shop, which yeah. has lost all one-star health and safety, food yeah. hygiene rating and all that. <laughs> um, David Only Moyes. British food. British food, sorry. <laughs> yeah. David Moyes, David I've Moyes. got him as a school caretaker, like Willie. <laughs> Willie from Simpsons. That's what I'm seeing. I see him like boys. Like I'm getting the vision of him like trimming a bush and just staring like weirdly at something or someone and just like being lost and just or creepy. Can't. Whatever he's doing, he's got a creepy stare that no one knew he works with likes. Professional gardener. Yeah, landscaper. Or like a di- I, I can imagine paying him to wash my wash my windows. Yeah. Especially back in the day. Now, now he's looking a bit aged. Yeah. I'm yeah. stick to school caretaker for me. Yeah, the last one, Nuno Espirito Santo. Yeah. He reminds me of a holiday rep. So when you get to abroad, he's there, the, he's there in his Thompson's uniform. <laughs> and then he takes me oh. to my hotel. And then when I plan to go to the water park like a week later, who pops up? Nuno with his clipboard. <laughs> And then, turns out Nuno was also driving the bus. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he's driving, like, a mad man in some, like, some mountain range where he can fall off some 60-foot cliff. Yeah. Yeah, go, I go along with that. You, you've sold it to me. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take the all day as well. Oh, couldn't we all? Yeah. Have we got anything for Scott Parker? I think he was the one we said we'd come back to. Oh, uh, I don't know. Um... Everyone needs a job, boys. Oh, I can see him working in um, maybe like a watch shop or something like that. Something to do with appearance. Yeah. Maybe selling some jewellery or watches. No, or I, he's a bit... Suits, yeah. yeah. I don't know, it's, it's the voice. It's the voice. Taylor. Mark Gitzel, I'm seeing. Like, I'm not seeing him in some... Del Boy? Yeah, I'm, I, yeah I'd say closer to Del Boy than a, like a exclusive establishment. He's more of a Del Boy than Harry Spector. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Maybe I, I, I'm, 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 I actually think he, I can see him selling shoes or yeah. But just that classic, like he's in a way. Shoes, shoes. I'm, I'm saying you could sell shoes anything in the market. You can sell yeah. shoes if you want, suits, second hand. Fine, <laughs> crack on there. He's the type of guy that does you a deal by selling you shoes and the suit together. <laughs> yeah, wow. exactly. Wow. There yeah. you go. So hopefully, if any of them find themselves out of the job, listen to this, get some inspiration. And Steve Bruce is a fisherman. Are out there and they can think of better jobs. Feel free to tag the put tag the at football revisited. I hope that's what it's called. And then yeah. not about when we'll reply with them. 
But that's another week gone. Best of luck this week, boys, with the Christmas break. Hope you Cheers. all enjoy. Hope Santa Claus comes, Sean Corn. And yeah. have a good one. Merry have Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone.